I take my step and strike through mortal bounds, calling for God of Thunder. Welcome to the, uh, I guess, yet-to-be-named Thor podcast. I am Brad, and my special co-host for these episodes is my wife, Kelly. Hello. The basic concept of this podcast is going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be reading an issue of Thor, an episode, and discussing it. We're going to be starting with Journey into Mystery number 83, which is his first appearance, and we're just going to go along chronologically, and we'll probably throw in some important appearances in other comics along the way just to kind of give you a feel for it. So if you want to read along, that is just peachy. But I thought we could start off by kind of discussing our experience with comics. But I think it's going to be a little boring because I think our general experience is going to be the same. So why don't you uh, start us off, Kelly? I was, I want to say in high school, probably like freshman year in high school. Um, so we're talking 96-ish. And I discovered uh, the X-Men comics and particularly Wolverine. I actually, I lived in the middle of nowhere and I subscribed to, you can still do that, can't you? Subscribe yeah, to the comics? Yeah, you still do. I think it's harder yeah. to do now. But I know like we used to do the first time I ever subscribed was to Amazing Spider-Man in like 95 because my school used to do like magazine sales and they had you could subscribe to Spider-Man and you could subscribe to Captain America were the only two in it at that time. So I got Spider-Man. Yeah, I think we called it the cheese store. Um, So I found the comics at the cheese store. And through that, figured out how to subscribe to Wolverine. So I got Wolverine for, I want to say, four or five years mailed to me. Um, Wolverine's my first love. Yeah, because you'd always know it would always show up in that special. There was that special, like, feel in the mail, and you knew one of your comics came. And then I picked up, if you all remember, Kmart. <laughs> which I think is completely gone now. At least in Ohio it is. Yeah, the one Grove City closed um, last year, two years ago. But at Kmart, they had, like, reprinted issues of uh, Age of Apocalypse. Oh, okay. Was that, like, when you used to be able to get, like, the two or the four packs in the right, stores? yeah. And you didn't, you kind of were blind buying because you could maybe see, like, the first two? No, totally blind. You didn't know what order you were getting what in. Um, I think I actually ended up with a pretty good run of them, but I loved Age of Age of Apocalypse too. It used to be way back in Sam's Club. This is way back in like the late eighties, early nineties. They used to do these big packs that you could buy, and it would usually be like an entire month's output from a company. Because I remember my parents got me one, and I got like the entire zero hour crossover from DC. But I remember my friend had one. And he had like one issue from like every Marvel series for like a singular month. And it was a really interesting concept that I don't think they did a lot. But if you caught them, it was like, I think it was like 20 bucks and you'd get like 20 to 30 comics probably. That sounds worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my comic collection fits into a pretty big binder. 
Did we figure out it was like the Wolverine actually like card holder binder? Yeah, um, but you have um you have that binder, but you also have that plastic like suitcase. Yeah, then I have a suitcase full, and it's mostly I believe I haven't looked at it. So there's we... a lot of Wolverine in there. I know you have like a good fifty issues straight of Wolverine. Yeah, we just moved, and I should have looked at it. Um, but I didn't. But yeah, that's that's the sum of my comic book collection. Yeah. You've read, you've read. I think you got that Gambit series a couple years ago. You've been reading Wonder Woman a bit since the first um, movie, and you'll generally, if I'm buying them, you might catch on to something that you like. Oh, you read most of Fables. Yeah, I read almost the whole Fable run. Uh, I don't know if it's still going, but no, I read a I, lot I think, of fables. I think it went to about 150 and stopped. I think it stopped stopped a couple years ago. Um, I read a bit of the Supergirl run from DC. The um, I don't remember which one that was, but yeah. And then the current Wonder Woman, I think you've read like the first 30 or 40 issues of when they went to Rebirth. Yeah, fables and Supergirl, I was reading Trades. And then you got into the digital comics. Yeah. And so um, your experience with Thor, I'm going to say, is primarily through the movies. Maybe you've read him in a crossover or two over like a long period of time. If I did, I don't remember. So I'm pretty brand new to the Thor series. Okay. So my, I started reading, I think around the early 90s. I was also an X-Men kid. I think... I've been paring down my collection, but I think I have from like 1983 to about 2008 on Uncanny X-Men without missing an issue. And I have like giant size X-Men number one, and I have a lot of like stuff. I think there was a point where I only needed about 120 issues of Uncanny X-Men to have all of them. But that's also before they started rebooting it every five years. So, so that was in the original run? Yeah. And then um, I quickly kind of branched out into Spider-Man, which smacked right into the Clone Saga. And then in the 2000s, I just was buying a lot. Um, I still get an okay amount, but not what I used to. But um, for me with Thor, I read the J. Michael Straczynski run in like the mid-2000s. And I read some of the Dan Jurgens stuff in the late 90s and early 2000s but as far as like well avengers as well he's been in avengers i've read some but i haven't um read a lot of thor he's kind of a blind spot i have as far as marvel goes i think you picked this for us to start with this podcast because ragnarok is like my my top three favorite movies well i also did it because there's there's some other podcasts that do that and and several of them are doing X-Men, which would have been my preferred one. But I also didn't want to have to trudge through those like first 65 issues of X-Men before it's like X-Men. And I thought Thor would be an interesting one because you and I are both kind of ignorant in general of it. And it's not something where you or I would be carrying the other person through like the knowledge base. We could kind of start on a similar level and learn together. Makes sense. So this, um, the cover date on this is August 1962. This is super early into when they became Marvel. So <laughs> brief history of Marvel to this point. 
they started as Timely Comics and Captain America and Namor and a robot version of the Human Torch were like their primary cast during World War II. And then they got out of superhero comics and their owner, who was, I think, Martin Goodman, was kind of a trend chaser. So until the year before, they had been primarily doing like sci-fi and fantasy kind of stuff and cowboys and and a modeling comic I think so they were trying superheroes because DC at this point had just started like their silver age and were kind of having success again with superheroes so this is super early into like Marvel as people would know it and this is also interesting to note they were actually being distributed by DC comics at the time and they had a very limited number of comics so what you're going to see, especially with Thor, so Thor took over a comic called Journey into Mystery, which was just an anthology book. So if you read early 60s Marvel, you'll see like Iron Man and Cap and these characters don't have their own titles. And um, some books are printed like bi-monthly. Uh, so Thor does not become Thor for a couple of years. You said that this was going on during DC's Silver Age. So what was DC's Silver Age? What it, what are the um, peers to this? Okay, so when when superheroes kind of shrunk it, towards the end of the 40s, really just Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman were still getting any real printing time. But in the late 50s, they brought the flash back with a different character it was a uh, barry allen is the flash instead of jay garrick and then they started kind of doing updated versions of a lot of their characters and around this time the justice league had just started up but dc is very hard to read at this point like it's very conventional for releases this month for marvel uh, Amazing Fantasy number 15 came out, which is the first appearance of Spider-Man. But to give you an idea of how new Marvel is, um, Fantastic Four is the first comic they published with like the superheroes. And the, it's still on a bi-monthly schedule. And it just had issue number five the month before with the first appearance of Doctor Doom. Now, by bi-monthly, is that twice monthly or once every other month? Once every other month. Okay. So it goes monthly. So what you'll see if, if you were to follow it, they, they at some point get more books, but usually like they have like a lesser title. I think like Daredevil and X-Men traded months for a long time, but Fantastic Four goes monthly pretty quick. Spider-Man goes monthly pretty quick. And I think Avengers goes uh, monthly after a couple of years. And then when you get to like the late 60s, they get their own distribution deal and then all bets are off and there's more books. But like if you if you if you were to look into like Tales of Suspense at the end, like Captain America and Iron Man are, are sharing space in that book, then there's Tales to Astonish where the Hulk and Namor are, are splitting the pages. So that's kind of like what what it looked like. I've actually read quite a bit of sixties Marvel, not so much the seventies. So this is Journey into Mystery number 83. This is written by Stan Lee. And for some reason, the Marvel Unlimited app said Steve Ditko was the artist, which I do not believe is correct because I believe this is Jack Kirby drawing. And it feels very much more Jack Kirby. 
And then um, I just put the letterer just because he's kind of well known for the era, but Art Simek is the letterer for this. This is uh, Dr. Don Blake is kind of, would you say he's kind of just backpacking around Norway at this point? can say he's backpacking because they, they say every time he's on frame, he's lame, like lame, literally lame. Like he can't walk very well. He, has, he, he walks with a cane. Yeah. And uh, frail. They call him frail yeah. at some point. He's drawn very frail, actually. He is. So, yeah, I wouldn't call it backpacking, but he's vacationing. Yeah. Bumming around. So then uh, a spaceship lands and the... As they are called in the title, the Stone Men of Saturn come out. Now, if you're if you decide to read along, uh, they're going to look very familiar because uh, Korg from Planet Hulk and later Thor Ragnarok is uh, the same type of creature as this. And he's actually changed very little from how they look in this. And there are claims if you look at the Marvel Wiki that he's in this. But only one of them has a name, and that is, was it Gore with two R's? Gore with two R's. Yeah. So the Stone Men show up. Um, they kind of talk. They show kind of their powers by tearing a tree out of the ground. And I think they jump at some point, don't they? They jump off a cliff, and they also shoot a tree. So we're one page in, and two trees have died. Yes. Well, they don't like trees. I mean, they are rock, you know. So a local fisherman kind of sees this and really to hit home what you're reading, he says something like by Odin's beard or something like that. This is by the beard of Odin. Yes. What have I stumbled onto? Just to, you know, make sure that you get hit over the head with what you're reading. So for some reason, Don Blake decides he needs to go check this out for himself because I don't really know what he's going to do. I was very perplexed by his motivations here. So he kind of takes off to check this out and he steps on a stick that alerts the or was it a twig i would call it a, it's a twig they call it a twig with the word snap over it okay so he steps on a twig and alerts these stone men and he loses his cane while stumbling into a cave now i have to tell you the whole him running away from them and tripping and losing his cane and crawling into this cave that whole setup was far more dramatic to me than him becoming Thor. Yeah. Like him becoming Thor after this was kind of like, it was less powerful than him running away from the stone creatures. And I have to say these sixties comics and this one's not, um, this one's not different in some ways, but especially like Stan Lee writing at this point, because they're putting out so much stuff, but old comics can be very clunky in their text and their art and their writing, but I've found this to this point and really through the whole thing to be fairly easy to read and flowed fairly well. You, you do have some of like that old school clunkiness though. It's, it's very dramatic and hilarious. Yeah. So he ends up in a cave and the cave is so dank, so gloomy and airless. So he tries to get out and he finds this rock. He can't move. And then he stumbles across a... Um, no, the wall opens. Oh, the, right. The wall opens because he unintentionally set some, like, tripped some switch or something when he, when he sat against the wall. And then he comes across this kind of 
gnarled stick that he starts using for a cane. Is this when he finds the? Is this when he finds the rock that he can't move? No, he was fight. So he was fighting with the rock, trying to get the back entrance open so he could get away from the rock people. Then he accidentally pushed the lever. He finds a gnarled wooden stick inside, and he decides to try to leverage that against the stone that's blocking the exit. So he starts doing that. He still can't get it. So then he finally kind of gets frustrated, and he smacks the stick on the rock. And then he changes into Thor, very dramatically, too. I think it takes, like, three or four panels for him to become Thor. Well, he doesn't know he's Thor. He says... He's kind of like, well, like, I feel super strong and I have all this power flowing through me. And then he looks at the hammer and then the hammer says, um, the cane, it has become a mighty hammer. Then the hammer, he looks down at the hammer and says, whosoever holds this hammer, he be worthy, shall possess the power of dot, 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 Thor. Which I don't know why. (laughs) The hammer literally says dot, dot, dot. I know. Uh, the stonemasons yes. sense of humor so then of course he's thor now so he easily destroys the rock and um no he just picked it up gently so he figures out he can't let go of the hammer because i think he puts it down yeah he was he was talking about how is he supposed to how, uh, here quote do i how do i walk amidst the civilized world as a mythological god so he sits down to ponder it and puts the hammer down. Yeah, and then he turns back to Don Blake. And then he figures out he has to touch the hammer again because he realizes it says possesses, so he needs to be in physical possession. Now, I don't... He somehow figures out that he has to keep contact with it within 60 seconds or it'll change back. I'm guessing he guesstimated how long he'd let go of it. So then he kind of goes, hey, if I remember my childhood reading, Thor can do these things, which I wrote down because they're very, um, they're very clunky how his powers work. It goes on to be a showcase, though, of each of his individual powers. So he obviously has super strength because he's Thor. His hammer is indestructible. And then if he throws it, the hammer will always return to him. Now, this is the one I didn't like, and I think they do away with this eventually, but if he taps his hammer twice, and I thought this was kind of dumb, he, he kind of said, like, oh, I can make rain and snow into a, like, giant tornado, and it's like, do you mean, like, you you can just make a simple rainstorm, or does it go into, like, a storm? Well, by the second issue, they drop the snow entirely. Yeah. So. And then to stop that he taps it three times which i think that's particularly not great because it kind of doesn't make the action go well so i don't know if you wrote this down in your list of powers but they make a really big deal about his hammer being invincible it comes up a lot in the first and the second one the hammer is invincible he'll say that a lot over the years there's always especially in the 70s into the 80s i think we still got a bit of that in the 90s you know, he'll he'll be like mightily like, I'm going to throw my indestructible hammer at like our foe. Like that'll be a Thor thing. I'd like to point out though in this comic that what he throws the hammer of invincibility at is another tree. So now three trees have died. Well, I mean what are you gonna do in the Norway wild country? Apparently the best test of invincibility is trees. Yes. That's what I've learned. Now, the, the, if you've read a lot of Thor, you'll notice he's talking like Don Blake, and Thor does not appear to have his own personality. 
So it's kind of weird how they set this up because eventually Don Blake goes away and as this progresses, Thor like becomes more of his own personality and starts talking in a more antiquated like. I disagree. Style. He does talk a little antiquated. Like it's not. I would agree that it's not fully developed, but it changes. I think it changes a bit. Okay. So then the stone men have a full on invasion coming and NATO tries to fight them, which doesn't go very well because they have atomic shields, which I kind of laughed at the atomic shields thing. Oh, you skipped the, the holographic dinosaur. Oh, the, the dragon. Yeah, that was funny. I don't know. It was, it was very standard person, but I thought that was really overboard. It was hilarious. Yeah. Like, why? Like their very first, the stone man's very first defense was bring out the holographic beast. And then all, all of these men in these planes are like, oh no, it's a holographic beast. And like scurried away. You know, that I think that's where, um, I think that kind of stuff happens though, because have you, do you know much about the Marvel method? No. So because of the amount of work they were doing and how little staffing they had, because Marvel was a very small operation at this point. So what Stanley would do is he would tell Jack Kirby, he'd give him a basic outline of like what the plot would be. And then Jack Kirby would draw it. And then Lee would go back in and put like the writing around it. Yeah. So what probably happened there is Jack Kirby just felt like drawing a, a dragon at that point. Yeah, it starts with a dragon, and then it's like, oh, and by the way, they have invincibility, too. Because there will be stuff in, like, Cap where, like, it'll be like, it'll be like, it's like, we promise we'll get back to the present, guys, but Jack wanted to draw World War II stuff for a while. So then um, Thor gets involved with the stone creatures, and he kind of starts swinging, well... So he, he mightily throws his hammer while holding on to it to fly to where these stone men are. And then he starts swinging his hammer about. Well, no, you missed the... He doesn't hold on to his hammer. He holds on oh. to the unbreakable thong. Oh, yeah, that's right. He does. And then he's pulled along after it like the tail of a rocket. Yes. So what's the name of the rock person in Ragnarok? Korg. Quark. So like Quark says in Ragnarok, you let your hammer pull you off. Yeah, that happened. So he kind of swings his hammer about. I think the, the Rockmen are like, wow, he's way too strong for us. And they want to capture him and study him. Oh, that's right. They're not scared. But then he starts swinging his hammer around and then they're like... Oh no, just kill him. That's actually a, that's actually a cool panel because like the Rockman, he's kind of like breaking little pieces off of the Rockman as he swings it about. And it's a very good like action scene. Like very, there's a very fluid way that Jack Kirby drew it. I would say it's probably one of the best panels in the whole thing. Yeah. Action wise. And it's also interesting. I think you'll see it. You see it. You'll see it more as it progresses, but this is also like, a way Silver Age comics do where this is like 10 pages of setup for like two pages of action. And then they, so then they put him in a cage and they're like, this will hold you like, ha, we beat him. And he's like, iron can't stop me. And he breaks out. see. This is an example though. We're saying they did change what he said a little. So when they come down, he says, iron bars do not a prison make. Like, I don't think it's something Dr. Blake would have said. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard, though, with that. 
I see what you're saying there, but sometimes it's hard to, to f- figure out if it's just antiquated comic book language, too. There's a lot of antiquated comic book language. <laughs> well, because because it's it's quick and there's a lot of stuff. So sometimes, and it's not like today where they necessarily have the panel freedom like they used to. So sometimes they have to explain what they're doing to like bridge the gap of like they just can't. The whole thing is Captain Exposition. Like, yeah, it's so much exposition. Yeah. So then they pull guns on him and he destroys them with his hammer. I think that's about it for the fight. They quickly leave. Oh, no, no, that's right. I yeah, the robot. I always forget the robot because I had for, I'd read this issue before. And every time the robot comes out, I, I'm like, oh, that seems kind of unnecessary. Why do Rockman have a robot? Did it have a name? It's just the Mechano Monster. Oh, yes. Well, that's very on the nose, isn't it? It's kind of like very basic and Thor fights with it. It doesn't last very long. Clang. Yeah. Thor broke it pretty quick. Three panels. Yeah, and so then all the aliens fly off and Thor talks some smack. About how nothing can conquer Thor. Yeah. So then he turns back to Donald Blake because I think he kind of follows up with what he said earlier. Like, I, you know, I don't want to be some sideshow, blah 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 And all of that can be avoided in one gesture. Yeah, so then the army's like... Well, what chased him off? And like they're like, well, certainly it can't be that guy with a limp over there and a gnarly stick. And then it says he goes back to America. Yeah, and then there's there's like an editor's note that says um, he's going to be featured prominently going forward. So as your first experience with Thor and kind of, I think it, a generally early experience for you with like old comics. What did you think of this issue? It was really amusing. And I found myself thinking like, like him stepping on the twig. I was like, really guys, like you're going to go with that. But then I realized that it was probably around the time where stepping on a twig, like was kind of new as a plot device. Well, remember this is written for children too. Yeah. Um, and then the language really amused me. Like there, there were a lot of things in here that just like, do not slay him. <laughs> yeah. There's it, stuff, it was fun. It was a fun romp. There's stuff you run into with those where it's like no human being would have like said that. Yeah. And there, it would struck me though too was the similarities. He hasn't changed much. No, they actually... Like from this into the movies, he has changed very little. And his appearance through the comics has not changed. Well, it's changed more in recent years, but they've got his look down like issue one. I'm trying to move fast back through this. Oh, and if you're, if you're wondering, we're reading these on Marvel Unlimited. Because that's a little easier than getting like trades and stuff. I thought they did clever cheats. With every time he was transforming or whatever, they weren't making themselves do a full panel. Then it was just kind of yeah coloring in blurs. Yeah. And I thought the art was really good in this. Um, it was, yeah. A lot of details. Sometimes the backgrounds are cheats, but you have to understand Jack Kirby was doing a lot of stuff at the time. And... um I don't think Stan Lee's writing ages particularly well, but um, 
And this is this is pretty standard superhero fare, I'd say, for the era. He fights, you know, some aliens. He fights an atomic-powered robot. Like, you're kind of hitting on your standard Silver Age hero tropes at the time. Oh, the next comic is commies. Yeah, that's also kind of... That's a, that's a very Stan Lee trope. I'd say most of the characters... I don't think Spider-Man ever did, but most of them fought communists at some point. But yeah, so next issue, we will be back for Journey into Mystery number 84, which is, I don't think there's like a, I don't think there's like a reoccurring villain that shows up in 84. I think it's just like a standard tough guy that he manhandles. Yeah, Loki doesn't come until the one after that. Yeah, and then they'll run Loki into the ground for a while. And then, so basically what, what's going to happen is it'll start to really open up, I think, as a book about in the mid-90s because they start doing these Asgard backups that really flesh out the setting. So you're saying we have like 30 years to get there? No, we have like 12 <laughs> issues. It gets better. Like once you start getting, once you get about 20 issues in when they start getting into like 64 and 65 year wise like they start really figuring it out and the books really start to hit their stride especially when they get more writers and artists because right now you pretty much have stanley writing everything you have jack kirby doing several books then steve ditko is doing spider-man and don heck is doing iron man when that eventually starts so that's not a lot to run, like, even when their output was only, like, nine comics, that's not a lot of, that's not a lot of manpower. No, that, that level of creativity on a monthly, monthly books, it's just Well, and you, you got to remember, too, is, like, they're building this from scratch, like, so most of these issues, they're having to come up with, like, a brand new villain, and, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of whole cloth building these, these, you know, supporting characters, it's kind of why... If you read a bunch of them, like, there's a lot of repeats. Like, Jane Foster and Karen from, like, the Daredevil book are very similar supporting characters. But gotta do something when you gotta come up with new stuff every month. But that is it for our first episode. Like I said, next time we'll be back for Journey into Mystery number 84.